We see the amazing life of Samuel presented to us this morning in the first reading. Here, we might feel a certain affinity for Samuel who's found sleeping in the temple of the Lord. Perhaps some of us are on the drowsy side this morning. Now, I told our sacristan right before, I said, I may mention you in the homily today because there's a certain way in which Samuel is like a sacristan. Especially during Holy Week here at St. Andrews, uh, our sacristan Mark practically camps out here, lives here. In fact, we've joked about putting a cot in one of the rooms for him so he would just wouldn't have to go home. The role of Samuel was to care for the lamp that burned before the presence of the Lord in the temple. And so he's probably not sleeping in the sanctuary itself, but he's retired to his quarters within the complex of the Lord. And there he hears the call of God, but he yet does not know how to discern it. He goes to Eli the priest, thinking that he has called him. You called me, here I am. Three times this happens. Finally, Eli realizes what's taking place, and he sends Samuel back to his room and says, if you hear it again, Say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. A wonderful lesson for us before we, we come to church, as we're getting in the car, perhaps, we should be entering into the Spirit. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. However, I wish to go back even farther in Samuel's life uh, to bring out another aspect. Samuel was a miracle birth, a miracle child. His mother had prayed for us a child. She had gone every year with her husband to the, the place of meeting, the temple, or the tent structure. And had one of those years when they had been there, she had broken down in sobbing, crying. In fact, the priest who, Eli, who Samuel serves, had thought that she was drunk. And she says, no, I'm overcome with my sorrow. And he had told her that the Lord would hear her prayer. And so she comes back uh, and presents Samuel several years later, offering her child back to the Lord in a heroic act of faith. Uh, here God's given her, and now she has her only child she gives back to God. We can see a parallel between Samuel and John the Baptist, who we heard about in the gospel reading. Remember, he's the only child of his parents and he's dedicated to the Lord from the womb, really from when our Lord uh, consecrates him in that meeting when he's only six months uh, in his mother's womb. And even though this is not the direct theme of today's readings, it nevertheless is an important segue into uh, this time of year when we approach the March for Life on Friday. And on uh, Monday following, the 22nd, we'll have the day of prayer and fasting for, uh, for the protection and the realization of the, uh, the, of the importance and the sanctity of life. 
You know, in our country alone, since the 70s, over 60 million children have been aborted. Roughly in the same amount of time in the world, there's been a billion, 400 million children aborted. It's so hidden that it's easy to overlook this, but this is on a magnitude that makes many of the genocides seem as nothing. It makes many of the atrocities or terrorisms of our time, again, seem as nothing when over 3,000 children are aborted in our country every day. It's easy for us as believing Christians, as Catholics, to say, yes, I'm against that. Yes, I pray for that. End of that horrible scourge. But in reality, it's easy for us to use that as an excuse, too. We feel uncomfortable sometimes about this issue because it is a political issue as well. But first and foremost, it's an issue of do we really love our own lives? Do we really love and respect life? In a certain sense, there's hardly something more American than being for life. Isn't life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness something that is enshrined in our very documents? We don't want to be called out or seen as extreme. Perhaps we're afraid of being said, you're a freak, or you're uh, someone who is a radical. We need to, to look inside and see why is that? Are we really just afraid to stand up for anything? I'm amazed by the story of Samuel because of the mother's great desire for a child, but then also her willingness to give her child to the Lord. There's this proper understanding of the value of life. She so much wants a child, but so that she can give it to God. And part of the loss of the sacredness of life in our country and in much of the first world is the loss of that second aspect. That life is not just something that is for us, but it is something that we have to give back to God. That God has a right over life as well. Think about if the Hannah, Samuel's mother, or Elizabeth the mother of John the Baptist, if they hadn't had that great desire, that longing for that life, God might not have chosen them, might not have given them that blessing. And how many people would have been affected by their not being Samuel the prophet, the one who anointed David, or not their being John the Baptist, the precursor, the one who baptizes the Lord? How many stories are repeated on a smaller scale, but nevertheless is true, in our own day? How many blessings are obliterated because of lives being snuffed out? Again, it's easy from our own homes, from our own churches, 
to say, I'm opposed to that. But do we really sacrifice? This is the importance of having this time of year. We are called to sacrifice on Monday in a similar way in which we sacrifice during Lent. But also we should do that this Friday on the 19th. We should perhaps, if we can, do as we do on Ash Wednesday or on Good Friday. One meal and two smaller meals that don't quite equal that other one. Abstain certainly from me. If we can't do that, we should at least make some kind of sacrifice that is palpable, that we, can, that we know in order to make some kind of reparation. Nations will be judged by their love, by their love for strangers, by their love for an acceptance for foreigners, but even more by their acceptance of their own. Jesus says in the gospel, not today's gospel that we heard, but he says that even tax collectors and sinners love their own and greet them in the marketplaces. But we might say, in our own country and in our own culture, we fail to recognize, we fail to greet even our own when we fail to welcome the unborn. Again, we might say, well, it's not me personally, or it's not us as a church, or it's not us as a family. We've been generous. We do welcome, we do support, but have we really done enough? I am guilty of not praying enough for the unborn and for their mothers. I am guilty of not sacrificing enough, probably even guilty of not preaching about it enough. We all need to have a certain repentance. This is the one social issue. This is the one moral issue that is at the heart of every other one. For if there is no life, there are no other rights. Mother Teresa, in probably a kind of a mystical understanding or perception, realized that the result of abortion was nuclear war. She drew this, this tie between the two. As we see in our own world an instability, and there's a, there's a certain uh, fear of the possibility again of this. We might see that working for peace is a working for the respect of all life. May the Lord give us the strength to never lose this vision, to recover this vision, of the holiness and sanctity of life, that all life belongs to him, that we are merely stewards of it, and that each and every one of us is responsible for the life of our neighbor.